Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. to Zach Mace Arcade and the bar three for Mr. B in that old trophy case number four we're still waiting for bring on the chase out on the field a mile high Broncos win is our desire couple with a break crew and a friend lead orange and blue to the bitter end come and join us Oh, Zach, 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 Zach. What? I mean, two weeks now, two very, very weird football games. Would you agree? Oh, Ryan, so many emotions going through my head right now and all throughout the game, right? I mean, you you just, you had Drew Locke going out, which was just such a damper. Then what followed after that? Broncos get down big. Then it looks like they're going to get down huge. And then the Broncos show tons of of heart and just so many emotions right now. You know, it doesn't really feel like a loss right now after the game because of how the Broncos fought back and it felt good the way they competed and it was encouraging the way they competed against a, such a such a good team. But Ryan, they are 0 and 2 and 12% of teams make the playoffs once they start 0 and 2 and then you take a bigger step back and you lost Drew Locke. And that's when the excitement, when when you really let that sink in, that's when the excitement goes away. Yeah, Zach, I mean, I it's hard for me to think about really anything about the, the football game with the idea that Drew Locke uh, could be lost, could be out multiple weeks. You know, I don't know. Uh, and all of this comes down, in my opinion, to what happens with Drew Locke. If they took him out for precautionary reasons and they said, you know, he had a uh, maybe like a hurt shoulder and I don't know. If there's some sort of he's only going to miss one week or he's not going to miss any weeks, then I look back at this game and say, you know what? The Broncos showed heart in that game and I feel good about them going forward that they were able to, you know, dig their heels in and play that football game. Uh, But Zach, if Drew Locke's out, an extended period of time. And I mean, longer than three weeks. Uh, it feels like th- that that's it, uh, unfortunately. And, um, you know, Jeff Driscoll, I thought showed heart. He showed guts. Uh, he is a backup quarterback in the NFL, but the margin for error for this Broncos team is too small uh, to lose their starting quarterback. Uh, and, the, you know, this season was all about finding out who Drew Locke is and is he that guy? And you and I both believe the answer is yes. But you, we needed to see it. We needed to have him out there for games. One, one game in a in a quarter is simply not enough for us to be able to evaluate Drew Locke. So this is, oh boy, this is a this is a big big moment for the Broncos to find out whether or not Drew Locke is out an extended period of time. 
Yeah, it's huge. And, and the most recent update coming in about 90 seconds ago, Ryan, is Vic Fangio does not have an update on Drew. They're going to do more tests when they get back to Denver. So I, I honestly don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that they don't have this diagnosis. You imagine he'll undergo an X-ray, he'll undergo an MRI. We'll probably know more tomorrow. That's how these things turn around. And same thing with Cortland Sutton. He was dealing with a knee injury. He was dealing with cramping. Uh, and man, I mean, talk about a roller coaster of emotions with Cortland too. It comes out just before the game he's going to play. Great news, right? And then he comes out first play of the game, goes to Cortland Sutton, a completion. Great news. Drew has his favorite target back and they're clicking. Cortland looks great. And then, of course, the ball goes right through his hands for Jeff Driscoll's only interception of the day. And then, of course, he doesn't return for the rest of the game. And now we're wondering what's going on with him. So, I mean, this is just the roller coaster of emotions. And, Ryan, you, you hit it spot on the head with Jeff Driscoll. Uh, he is a backup. And there's a reason he's he's not a very highly paid backup in this league. Um, and so, despite how good he looked, and, man, I give all the credit to Jeff Driscoll. He had a heck of a game today. Ryan, his stat line was pretty off the charts. 18 for 34, 256 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. And that pick, I am not putting on him for one second. It was a good ball. It was a little high, but it was an extremely, extremely, extremely catchable ball. Went right through Cortland Sutton's hands. He has an over 100 passer rating if Cortland does his job and catches that ball. So I just have to start off by giving all props to Jeff Driscoll, but despite going up against a good defense on the road, I mean, he did everything he could have, but it, it does all come down to if Drew Locke is able to play again. Uh, and unfortunately, you're hosting Tom Brady next week. Uh, Drew Locke against Tom Brady, Ryan, that's not a, a very good look right there. Jeff Driscoll against Tom Brady, uh, I, I mean, I, that says enough. I, I don't need to, to beat on Jeff Driscoll, but just uh, just devastating, devastating injury. And man, did that hit on Drew Locke that knocked him out just look awful. I mean, I didn't need to see that Drew was down to know that, oh my goodness, that was quite a hit. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, and it's now both times that Drew Locke's been hurt. It was just him trying to make a play. Uh, just, you know, when he, when he was in that preseason game, he's trying to get out of the pocket. His, you know, his thumb gets rolled up underneath him. And this one, you know, he's just out trying to make a play for his team. Um, unfortunately, Elijah Wilkinson missed his blocking assignment, which which flushed him out of the pocket in the first place. That was um, a common theme throughout the game. Uh, was pressure on the Broncos quarterbacks from the right side of the line. Uh, but you know, you, you don't blame Drew for trying to make a play. Um, and now you're in a, you're in a very, very tough spot. Uh, I, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, the season and any of your goals and dreams for what was going to happen uh, rests on the, on the length of this injury. And other than that, it's, uh, it's all moot to me. Yeah, and, and it stinks because the defense played a good game uh, out there in Pittsburgh, uh, you know, except at the end when they just, they, they just broke. Uh, and the Broncos, with two minutes left, had a chance to take the lead and potentially beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh, and it just doesn't really feel like that after the fact because if they don't have Drew Locke, 
then it doesn't matter how good this defense plays. This is a team that's already starting in a hole at 0-2. Uh, so you love the heart. You, you love the grit that the Broncos showed. You really do like the way Jeff Driscoll played, but just knowing deep down what this team is like without Drew, without Cortland, without A.J. Boye, man, it's, uh, it, it's tough to think about what this team would be without Drew for the rest of the season or for without five games, and we'll find out pretty soon. But Ryan, Ryan, seven sacks allowed. And maybe one of them what was on Jeff Driscoll, you know, the, the self-sack. Uh, but even then, the, the pressure was caving in. This offensive line, oh, yikes. And the tackles, oh, yikes. And the tackle, Elijah Wilkinson on the right side. He single-handedly gave up four sacks. And uh, you have DeMar Dotson there. Everyone is asking the question, why didn't you put him in? You know, if they would have put DeMar Dotson in after Elijah gave up three and DeMar get, comes in and gives up one or two, well, you know what? That's not the coach's fault anymore because they did everything they could have done. But you know what? They never did that. And it's not like this is, uh, you know, a, a Villanueva just having a bad game, giving up four sacks where you say, shoot, he had a bad game. No, this is a guy who over and over and over again in, in training camp, I saw it pretty much every single day I was there. You guys saw it occasionally. It's it's time. It it is time, right? Zach, the time was six weeks ago. Yeah. Uh this when you signed him, that was the time. Um I, you should have signed him, you know. I don't know. The time was long, long ago. And the Broncos trying to play the young development game here. Uh, may have just lost them their quarterback. Um, and, and that's extreme, but it's the truth. Like, I'm sorry, but you put in a guy who's been in this league for that long, he's not going to make nearly as many mistakes uh, as Elijah Wilkinson made in this game. And, be, you know, and, and because of that, you've got a hurt quarterback. And to be honest, there's a lot of blame to go around for that. I thought uh, Pat Shermer's game plan coming into this game with Drew Locke was mind-boggling. I, I Zach, we talked about it all week. You have to run plays to get the pass rush on their heels. We talked about jet sweeps. We talked about screens. We talked about quick little drag routes, slants. Where was it? Because all I saw was them leaving Drew back there to dry. Well, and also, Ryan, we know we saw it last week. Drew's great when he's on the move. Is it great that Drew can make plays when pressure comes and collapses the pocket and he can take off? That's a great attribute to have. But you don't want to make to have to make him have those plays. What you want is why not, uh, you know, line up uh, a tight end or a fullback there and then just sweep uh, Drew to the right side. That helps with the pass rush, and you have an extra guy there to help Elijah Wilkinson. Uh, and then Drew's on the run, and we saw what he can do when he's on the run. No, instead, you make it so that uh, T.J. Watt has to crash from the left side in order to force Drew to escape, and then Drew makes a great play to escape. But then Bud Dupree's right there because Garrett Bowles gives up on the play and lets Bud Dupree run past, and then Bud Dupree absolutely smashes him. Uh, they just left Drew out to dry. Ryan, the run game was so good to start, especially on that first series. And then they just decided, let's, uh, let, let's throw the ball. Let's do what's not working right now. And before Drew got hurt, he was one of five. It's not like he was like lights out, so you're like, 
we can do whatever we want. No, Melvin Gordon was, uh, he had five carries for 44 yards before Drew got hurt. Drew was one for five. You were having success on the ground. So uh, I echo what you say of just, what are you doing? What are you doing? When you find success against a really good defense, don't stop doing it. Yeah, 100%. And you saw, you know, once they brought in Jeff Driscoll, I thought they went to more of a conservative game plan in terms of, you know, trying to stave off the pass rush. Even then, they got, you know, they didn't get to it enough, and that's why you have all those sacks coming through. Uh, But one of the commenters made a really good point here. They said, uh, no chipping pass rushers and no hard counts. They were timing the snap, and he's completely right. You know, they had uh, – you saw the the nickel blitz, which got home multiple times in this game. This guy was just timing the snap, just running up to the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, hit a hard count. Yeah. Hit a hard count, and you might get a free play out of it Not instead of, you know, uh, having a, blit, a free blitzer just coming on right in your face. So I thought play calling was up and down in this game. Unfortunately, it was it was down – in the most important parts of the game. And by that, I mean, it was down in the, in the part that got your quarterback hurt. And it was down in the, in the final drive there. You got third and two from the two minute warning. You got all the time you want to draw up a good play. You go two throws instead of giving it to your large running back. Who's having a very good game or using Jeff Driscoll's ability to run the ball. I would have liked to see a zone read there. Uh, and give Jeff Driscoll the opportunity to decide, hey, am I going to keep this or am I going to give it to Melvin Gordon? Look, you got two plays. I, I don't expect you to to run it on both. You got to at least give, you know, the take the ball out of the backup quarterback's hands on one of those plays. Ryan, d- when the Broncos signed Jeff Driscoll, we had a conversation about how he's not the ideal backup quarterback you want. Mace was all over the move, didn't like it one bit. And you and I kind of said, well, if the Broncos need Jeff Driscoll or really any backup quarterback that's not making like $10 million a year, not an Andy Dalton type. Well, they're probably hosed anyway. But what we said was what Jeff Driscoll can do is he can come in for one game and catch a defense completely offhand. What he can do is he can come in and be an athlete on the field. He's not going to be a traditional quarterback, but he can be an athlete and surprise a team. Now, next week when the Bucks have a week to prepare for him and the following week with the Jets, although the Jets are trash, so maybe not the Jets, but then the following week against New England, if Jeff Driscoll's still playing, it's probably going to be a lot tougher for Jeff Driscoll to come out and be doing the RPOs and catch a defense off guard. But for the first game, especially when he's coming in off the bench, even against a good defense, he can do things to catch the defense off guard. And the Broncos didn't do that. You know, Jeff Driscoll made a nice scramble uh, on one play, but that wasn't a design scramble. It's because the offensive line completely let pressure get into his face. They didn't do anything. So that's it's disappointing to see. I thought you signed Jeff Driscoll, one, because he was cheap, and two, because if you need him in a pinch, he can actually do some good things if you use him right. The Broncos did not use him right. Yeah, and look, I understand the frustration from Broncos fans with this specific game and winning or losing, but – you know, you have to zoom out. Forget about Drew Locke's injury. Look at all the other injuries this team is dealing with. And I know, you know, everyone wants to say uh, injuries are part of the game. You have to be ready for them. You have to be, you know, good teams can overcome them. That's true to an extent. Uh, not many teams can overcome the loss of their two highest paid players on defense. Uh, you know, don't forget, uh, Juwan James isn't out there because he opted out. 
you know, you wouldn't have Elijah Wilkinson out there if he wasn't out there. Jerry Judy is out for part of the game. Cortland Sutton, out for part of the game. Philip Lindsay, out for the game. Very, very few teams are winning a game on the road against a, a likely playoff team with all of that going on. And then on top of that, you lost your starting quarterback. So you just have to keep that in mind as you're kind of, you know, dealing with the frustration of the Broncos not making big plays in the biggest moments at the end of this game. Yeah, exactly. I totally, totally agree with that. And we had a comment come in that brought up a very interesting point. Uh, And I can't find who it was from, but they said the Broncos win this game with Drew Locke. And I'm going to turn that into a question. Ryan, did the Broncos win this game with Drew Locke? I can't say that. Um, Yeah, I can't either. Just because Drew was having a bad game uh, to start things off. and, And they weren't calling plays that were conducive to Drew succeeding out there. So I understand the idea that Drew Locke should be worth five points. Uh, I can get behind that notion. And at least the drop-off from Drew Locke to Jeff Driscoll feels like it would be five points. But I don't know, man. Uh, I definitely can't say unequivocally that they would have won with Drew Locke. I I would have felt better right now if Drew Locke wasn't injured, I can tell you that. Right. And of course, of course, the future prognosis is much different with, with Drew hurt or not hurt. But no, Jeff Driscoll came in and he had a fantastic game. And again, I don't think that's going to continue for the future weeks ahead. But Ryan, he has an over 100 passer rating if Cortland Sutton doesn't make, doesn't drop that pass. So he had a Cortland Sutton drop pass. And on top of that, he was dealing with a terrible uh, offensive line as a whole. Now, you know, some guys were better than others, uh, of course, but that wouldn't have changed with Drew Locke in there. Um, so I, I think Jeff Driscoll did, did a fantastic job. Uh, but Ryan, one guy that really, really did a fantastic job in this game for the Broncos, our DraftKings Sportsbook, king of the game, Noah Fant. Noah Fant, man, when you get him the ball, good things happen. Not even when you get him the ball. When you throw the ball his way, great things happen. Yeah, you said you said fantastic, Noah. Fantastic. Um, that's what he's been to start this season. Uh, the touchdown just absolutely smoked Devin Bush. Hashtag won the trade. Uh, the two point conversion does it again. Then late in the game, something we were looking for, Zach, the over the shoulder catch. He bobbles it, but he pulls it in and makes an incredible toe tap. Um, so you know you have like Noah Fant you makes you feel better about just how tough things are right now. Um, and on top of that, not to take the, uh, the attention away from Fant, who look at that four catches, 57 yards, 14.3 yards per catch, a touchdown, a two point conversion on top of that. You have to, uh, also look at KJ Hamler, who I thought was the second biggest bright spot today. Zach KJ Hamler, three catches, 48 yards, 16 yards, a catch. Uh, and, even he should have had a touchdown if Jeff Driscoll saw him wide open in the back of the end zone. Um, so you feel really good about him. And then Jerry Judy, back-to-back games now with, uh, you know, over four or more catches, over 60 yards. Uh, I thought he was really good today. Now, maybe a drop here or there. Um, one of them I, w- I didn't put on him at all. One of them I put on him – a bit more, but 
the second one, the one that was high that he let go, that was after Jeff Driscoll damn near got him killed. So do I am I going to forgive Jerry Judy for wanting to protect his bruised ribs as he went up for that ball? Yes, I am going to forgive him for that. Um, so in the end, great game from Fant. Really good debut from K.J. Hamler, and I thought a really good game from Jerry Judy, who made plays with with his feet again when he had the ball in his hands. You got you just have to feel good about those guys going forward. You know, he he's Jerry Judy is just becoming the whoop. You know, a little Chris Berm whoop whoop, and it's so fun to watch. Now he does need to get better with the drops, and I do think that he will get better. But Ryan, even when he's had multiple drops in back-to-back games. Maybe he only had one today, however you want to do that. He had four catches, 62 yards. He's he's the second leading receiver on this team in back-to-back games as a true rookie starting in his first two games. So I'm still very much encouraged by Jerry Judy. K.J. Hamler, not only the 48 yards you mentioned, but on that first drive, they used him creatively. Maybe it was a second drive uh, when Jeff Driscoll was in at quarterback is what it was, when they did the, the nine-yard end around to him. So props to Pat Shermer for using him, right? I just wish there was a lot more creativity because we've seen bright flashes from Pat Shermer and using his guys well. But then there's other times like Noah Fant where it's just mind-numbing. Ryan, first half, Noah Fant did not get a target. How How can your playmaker make plays when you're not giving him the ball? Answer is he can't. Second half comes around. Four catches on five targets, 57 yards, that two-point conversion, that touchdown, beating a top 10 uh, linebacker in Devin Bush. And so we see when you get the ball to Noah Fant, what happens? First half of last week, he's five for five for 81 yards and a touchdown. Second half, one target, zero catches, that's it. First half of this week, zero targets, he can't do anything. And then second half of this week, 57 yards. What happens if you use Noah Fant the way that they've used him in each half. What if you use him uh, for an entire game? Well, you're talking about like 130, 140-yard game, uh, 10 catches, two touchdowns, a two-point conversion. And uh, why? <laughs> why would you not? And uh, maybe it's because you think you have you have so many weapons. But Noah Fant, Jerry Judy has a few drops. Cortland Sutton's hurt. He had a drop today. Um, and K.J. Hamler? He's not the guy that you're you're counting on as your number one receiver right now. You know who you can count on as your number one weapon on this offense right now because he's proven it is Noah Fant. So I would like to see next week, get him 12 targets and get him six in the first half, six in the second half and see what happens. Yeah, you make such a great point there. Like the way he's been playing and after screwing it up uh, in the second half last week, how? How do you come into the first half this week without having him being a massive part of the game plan? And honestly, again, you know, I, I don't want to say it's the fault that you didn't throw the ball to Noah Fant that Drew Locke's hurt right now. But if you would have gotten him involved, the entire thing would have been different. And, you know, you could have had a drag route of Noah Fant coming across the formation on that play where Drew Locke got hit. I just – disappointing. Um, and and it, Pat Shermer has shown it in flashes – that he can be a very good offensive coordinator. He's shown in flashes that he is much of the same of what we've seen in a while. And to be fair, when you are getting – your offensive line is getting worked, it makes it very difficult on an offensive coordinator. And you saw him looking at Jeff Driscoll like, what are you doing? Throw the ball on that fourth down play. 
Uh, but Jeff Driscoll didn't have time to throw that ball. You watch it again. Melvin Gordon was not out of that break on the Texas route before he was being contacted. Could he have anticipated it and lobbed it and thrown him under it? Yeah, Drew Locke might have, but this is Jeff Driscoll we're talking about. <laughs> How disappointing. I mean, you already mentioned those two play calls on third and two and fourth and two. But when you have to, when your quarterback has to be like running backward and throwing off his back foot with four guys in your face when he's been under pressure all game. So that was not a surprise. And then you turn around and you don't leave any. And look, was that Elijah Wilkinson's fault that there was a free blitzer? I'm not exactly sure. I don't know what the protection call was because he had already picked up a guy. So probably not. But even if uh, the, even if there wasn't that guy, I'm still leaving extra protection there. And then if you leave extra protection there, well, there you go. There's your guy picking up that free blocker. And who knows if Jeff Driscoll hits, uh, was Tim Patrick, was that who was wide open on that play? I think there was someone open on that play. Uh, man, it's, it's just, it's frustrating because you see flashes, but you're seeing flashes and these highs and lows, not just from this inexperienced youth on the offensive side. You're seeing it from this experienced offensive coordinator. That's not supposed to happen. Maybe that experienced offensive coordinator should put in an experienced right tackle to go on that offensive line. Uh, he's waiting. Waiting He's, in the wings. You got a guy that started 106 games at right tackle. Don't overthink it. Ryan, if I tell you, you have a young guy who has not proven once that he is like a long-term right tackle, and he just gave up four sacks in a half, and then it, take that over a game, four sacks in a game. And then on the bench, you have a guy that has 106 starts at right tackle, including 15 last year. It's not like he's been on the bench for a long time. Just keep it as simple as that. I, I mean, look, Zach, we've been saying it since the day they signed this guy. He should be the starting right tackle. And I also said he's not going to be amazing, but he'll be better than what you got out there right now. And, and I, I'm very confident in saying it wouldn't have been worse. And I'm, I rarely, rarely say that the coaches – uh, are wrong and I usually say when it comes to backups the the it will get worse even if even if it doesn't seem like it can get worse it will get worse that's the truth many times this is not one of those times every bit of evidence we have on DeMar Dotson tells us that he would be an upgrade from Elijah Wilkinson yeah and Ryan I have good news at, in terms of this at least I think after the game Vic Fangio on on the Broncos giving up seven sacks he said we need to take a good look at it and not have that happen again. I imagine taking a good look at it is making some changes. Are you making a change at center? No. Are you making a change at left or right guard? No. Are you making a change at left tackle? No. And th that wasn't ideal play from left tackle either. Are you making a change at, at right tackle? That's the only thing you can really be doing. So if you're really going to take a hard look at this, it's not a hard decision after you take that hard look. You don't even need to take a hard look to realize what decision it is. So my guess of what the Broncos will do, even though they haven't done it for the past six weeks, is my guess is they will make the switch. Too late. <laughs> right. It's right. Just hey, like, you know, you've waited till you have a 12% chance to make the playoffs. It's just like last year when they're trying to play Shelby Harris at nose guard and they're getting gashed. And it's like, okay, this experiment's over. No, let's actually wait four weeks. Uh, before we end that experiment and then what happens oh yes you make all the adjustments and all of a sudden you have yourself a nice defense and you're stout enough to stop the run 
and all of those things come together and it's just like, okay, well, too late, you know? Um, and so I guess two weeks would be a better than four weeks last season before they brought in Alexander Johnson, you know, brought in Mike Purcell and moved over Shelby Harris. But for me, too late. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm not going to give them credit for it now at this point. No, no. And, and Corey Miller makes a good point. He says, it's always hindsight. Should have used my timeouts, etc. And to me, uh, some of the things are hindsight. Like maybe you actually didn't know that Alexander Johnson was that good, even though you probably should have known. Maybe you didn't. But then, yeah, with the timeouts, with the tackle play, because we've seen it be so poor from Elijah uh, all throughout training camp. There, this isn't just hindsight being 2020, and that's kind of what Corey Miller's saying was it's not hindsight 2020. And you, you, you just got to be proactive in the NFL. You only got 16 of these things. You can be a little reactive in baseball and, and drop a game or two here or there. You can't be dropping games here or there. When I thought they were an 8-8 eight and eight team, you guys thought 9-7, and seven, so we were all right around 500. If you win a couple of those games that you're not supposed to and you make the calls, the right calls to win a couple of those, then you're 10 and six. Then you're automatically in the playoffs. If you lose some, then you're a losing team. And then there's just no way at the playoffs. Yeah, 100 percent, Zach. Uh, The Broncos need to take a long look in the mirror. But again, I mean, what are we talking about here if Jeff Driscoll is the quarterback? You know, like, yes, do you have to protect them better? Of course, if you want to have a chance in games. But, I, I, like, I don't I, I don't want to talk about the draft, but that's where my mind is going, you know, right. based on on the uh, the duration of Drew Locke's injury. Uh, it all comes down to that. It sounds like we're not going to find anything out today unless it's like an Adam Schefter leak or something like that. Uh, I, I assume the biggest fear is broken collarbone. Uh, yeah. And I believe that's a, at best a month injury. Uh, so, you know, maybe it's dislocated shoulder on the throw. I mean, on the throwing arm, that's terrible too. There's not very many good outcomes here of anything other than may- like just based on Drew- the one thing that gives me hope is I liked Drew Locke's body language. Um, he looked like he was telling the trainers, like, I can, I'm good. I can go back in. Um and so that's the one thing that I lean on where maybe they just said like, Drew, sorry, man, we, we got to take your helmet. Uh, it's, it's just not worth it today, especially because uh, our offensive line can't stop anyone. And you're, this will not be the last time you get hit today. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the best thing from this may be uh, he grows a second head on his shoulder, like Trevor Simeon had with an awesome. AC joint. Uh, and the, the bummer is, no matter what the injury is, is it's on his throwing shoulder. So if it is a collarbone, you think it may take just even a little more time than if it were his left shoulder. So it's, it's such, such a bummer. And Ryan M fifty two ninety two earlier in the pod said, guess what guys, we are worse than the Jags and the Browns. And in terms of record, I mean, that that's a tough way to look at it. Uh, yes, by record, that is correct. Heck, dude, Gardner Minshew looks nice. <laughs> uh, I'm hype on that because he's getting the ball to my guy, LaVisca Chenault. Uh, yeah, but, they, I mean, a quarterback can do so much for you. And that is what's so frustrating for this Broncos team is because, you know, maybe Drew Locke would have found a way to make some magic today. 
Uh, and obviously, if you just put Drew Locke in on that third down and fourth down, you feel a lot better at converting it then. So it's hard to uh, to assess this game properly when the Broncos didn't have the most important piece of their formula. Uh, and we don't know how long it's going to be without him, but it this happening in week two is damn near worst-case scenario. Yeah, it, it really is. And speaking of that, Tanner says, can you guys please give me some hope? Sorry, Ryan, what, what 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 hope is there? Because like we said to start this pod, man, it, coming off that with one minute left, you have a chance to win the game. The, the emotions were as high as they could be with everything else that went on in the game. They lose. Now we've kind of taken a step back and looked at the big picture and saw how bleak things are. But Ryan, there, there was a lot of good that went on in that game, specifically with the comeback that it looked like the Broncos were making. Here's the hope, man. There's a lot of really good young players on this football team. Uh, and it takes time. it's going to take time. And you really, really hope that they have a time to mature with Drew Locke at some point this season. And if that's in two weeks and somehow they steal one of these next two games, most notably uh, against the Jets, who are garbage, then maybe there's still hope. Uh, but the, you know, the, the best thing you can look at is K.J. Hamler getting open consistently, Jerry Judy getting open consistently, Cortland Sutton, you know, being a big play threat down the field, Noah Fant being the ma- the mismatch nightmare that you brought him in to be, Melvin Gordon gashing defenses when given the chance. There's so many good little things. You just have to put it all together at once, uh, and maybe that's going to take longer than we thought. Again, the unfortunate part is, we're not talking about the Drew Locke Broncos losing by five today, in which case I probably would be able to sell you a good bit of hope. We're talking about the Jeff Driscoll Broncos, and usually with backup quarterbacks, it only gets harder. Yeah, you're 100% right. And on the defensive side, the defense did a pretty good job. Now, I know the Steelers ended up getting 26 points, so not a fantastic job, but the Broncos defense, when everything was going against the entire team, they held them in that game. There were many moments where the defense could have given up a touchdown and the game would have been over. And we would probably be talking about a three-score blowout game just because then the offense wouldn't have had any hope. And it would have been a lot easier for the Steelers to run the clock up. But the defense didn't let that happen. Justin Simmons comes up with a big-time pick, which was just a terrible throw by Ben Roethlisberger. Don't know what he's doing there. But this defense, even without Von Miller, even with Bradley Chubb not playing 100%, even with A.J. Boye out, still keeps you in the game. And we know A.J. Boye is going to be out for three weeks. Looks like they could get him back pretty close to right after that that three-week mark, which means he's going to miss two more games. But then when he's back, Ryan, how different is this game if you have A.J. Boye in there instead of Michael Ojemudia? Uh, and I need to get your, your opinion on Oj after that, too. Oh, man, what a tough game for Oj. Um he goes from like the hype train exploding if he makes that interception. Um, he played really well in week one. He played really well at the start of week two. He's in perfect position. He locks down his receiver. The ball floats right to him and he drops it. And Zach, from there on out, it was all downhill for Michael Ojemudia. And so I don't know if there was a little bit of a mental slip up just because 
he was so disappointed in himself. And for a rookie, I'm going to, I'm going to give him a pass if that's the case, but man, it just, there was a missed tackle on the very next play. Then he gets beat for two touchdowns and you go from like, I was ready to say like, they finally did it. They finally found a, a corner in the third round and now it's back to, okay, he's a rookie. We've got a lot, a lot of time left uh, to learn about him. Right. You're 100% right. Now, you weren't as hard on him as pretty much everyone else. And I think that's – I'm just going to even take another step uh, on where you were, Ryan. Oh, man, it wasn't a good game. I can't say he had a good game, of course. But that was disappointing. He didn't catch the interception. But at the end of the day, Ryan, it was still a good play. It was still a PBU. He was in the right position. The ball went through his hands. So he went from having a fantastic play on that if he catches the pick to having a good play uh, and, and, you know, disappointing because it goes from fantastic to good, but in the end, it was still a good play. Uh, then of course he gets beat on the touchdown. That's bad. That that was all on him. You can't let that happen, but that is going to happen. Uh, there might've been OPI there. Yeah, there, there definitely could have been. Uh, so still in the end, bad play, but then on the other touchdown, he got beat on Ryan. I mean, that's really tough to yeah. put on a cornerback because Ben bought extra time and it's hard to ask any quarterback to cover twice, especially a rookie. So yes, he got beat, but I'm not going to be as critical on him for that. So I walk away from this game saying, I like what I've seen from Ogen and his positives. He still obviously has work to be done, but I'm not saying like a lot of other people and and you aren't either Ryan, that he's a bust or or anything like that. No, God, no. Uh, I definitely feel better about him through this short period of time than I've ever felt about one of these Broncos third round corners. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, oh man, uh, just, you know, as we, I'm going to stay positive. Let's stay positive. We talked about uh, before in our round table players to have a bounce back game. Uh, You guys chose Jerry Judy. I think Jerry Judy was just the same uh, as he was in week one. Uh, I chose Justin Simmons. And I thought Justin definitely had a bounce back game today. He needed it because there was so much negative talk uh, about the way that he played on Monday Night Football. And he was non-existent in that game. So it was fair to say that, you know, to to criticize him. He needed to go out there and show today that he's a great safety. And I thought he made a lot of plays. Um, It wasn't a perfect game for him by any means, but he definitely made a lot more plays on the field today. Yeah, back-to-back plays. Didn't he have a, a TFL or a tackle at the line of scrimmage at least? And then he had a pick right there. And he did not have a good game last week. He bounced back really strong this week. Kareem Jackson also had a good game out there. So liked those guys. Ryan, <laughs> it's not going to be positive anymore, but I got to ask you about Bradley Chubb. We have a lot of people flowing in our comment section right now. Not just saying that they're a little concerned, but saying that, you know, Chubb is done. It's going to take him way longer to come back than we thought. After two games, what are your thoughts on Bradley Chubb? Uh, he looks like he's 75% himself. Uh, and that's kind of what I expected. You know, these ACL injuries, they aren't a perfect science. You know, a lot of people want to say nine months, a year. But ask anyone who's had one of these Uh, and they'll tell you it's not perfect. And even when you're – the hardest part is to get from 90% to 100%. And I think that he was at 90%, and then he had a setback, which might have knocked him down to 60%. And now he's – I think he's back up right around 75%. I am not ready to, you know, put big blame or 
or jump off the Bradley Chubb bandwagon. But, you know, anyone who says he doesn't look like the number five overall pick is 100% right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's 75% of the number five overall pick? And it's... Is that a third rounder? I, I I don't know, but that's what he looks like. You know, he, he doesn't look like the pass rusher that you drafted him to be. He looks like a solid defensive line player. And that that's kind of how he's playing now. He's getting pressure occasionally, but he's not anywhere close to making the big plays. Uh, and uh, how long does he get this? I don't want to call it an excuse because it's legit. How long does he get this reason to be 75%? Is it four weeks? Vic and Bradley, they won't put a timetable on it. And I think that's smart because like you said, Ryan, it's not a perfect science. We don't know exactly how long, but if he plays the way that he's played so far for the rest of the season and finishes with, you know, three or four sacks, then there's a legitimate question about if you're picking up his fifth year option, which you have to decide after this season. So there's definitely concern there, um, but it, it's too early to, again, just like with those, it's too early to say he's a bust and and he's done. Yeah, unfortunately, Zach, I don't think it's going to be fair to judge him during this season um, because he's not going to be 100%, I don't think, for most of the season, if ever during the season, because all you do is wear it out when you go out there and play. So I think you're going to get 75% Bradley Chubb, let's hope. Uh, for the rest of the season and I think they're going to pick up the fifth year option regardless on him you simply can't not do that on your number five uh, on your number five overall pick Um, and the jury will be out next year man man that's tough to have to to have to pick up the fifth year option with seeing one good season but yeah because because the talent's there with him so it's going to be interesting to see how he finishes you definitely would be so relieved to maybe it takes him eight games but then what if he has a sack and each of the final eight games where he has six sacks, then you feel good. So, Ryan, what it's looking like right now. Drew Locke, it was just reported by, I believe, Ryan O'Halloran that he was in a sling right now. It really appears that if he is going to miss significant time, that this will all be about seeing at the end of the season what this team is and, and how they trend. Now, we thought it was going to be that. You know, we all thought they were going to have a good finish to the season, but we thought it was going to be in the terms of, of playoffs and making a playoff push and getting there and seeing what they can do in the playoffs once they got there after a potential slow start. Now that slow start is underway. And now it's going to be, okay, once Drew Locke gets back, how can this offense go down the stretch? Uh, is Bradley Chubb playing good then? How are these older guys on defense panning out? Do they seem like they still have a lot of steam left to, to make a, a, an elite defense again in 2021? It just, unfortunately, it just seems like everything's being put back uh, almost half a season now. Yeah, and again, you know, the I think, I don't know if it's the best case scenario. Best case scenario is Drew's okay, although if he's in a sling, it doesn't seem like a, a merely precaution thing. I would say what you're hoping for is Drew is out two weeks with, you know, similar injury to what Cortland Sutton had, an AC joint sprain. Um, and, and you hope it's a low level one and you hope that somehow, some way you win one of those games, uh, in that two week period, you're one in three, that does not feel good in any ways, but you're not cooked. Um, we saw this team, you know, they started zero and four last year. And if a couple things go their way in the middle of the season, they're competing for a playoff berth at the very end. So yeah. you can dig yourself out of that hole, but man, that's a tough, 
that's a tough picture as the best case scenario. I mean, I guess best case scenario is you win both of those games, but that's a very big up, up, uphill battle for this team. Well, Ryan, you're right. You're probably going to lose next week because it doesn't look good for Drew to be able to play next week. But you know what? If you lose to an NFC opponent, that's not the worst thing in the world when it comes down to tiebreakers for playoffs and all of that. And this isn't a game that all of us had them winning easily. No, this this was going to be a tough game no matter what. Um, and before the season started, I thought that the Broncos – uh, we're going to win this game originally. Then once they lost Vaughn, I thought they were going to lose. So it's okay if you lose next week. You can't lose to the Jets. You absolutely can't. The Jets have proven to be a Trevor Lawrence team, a legitimate Trevor Lawrence team. So congratulations to the New York Jets. They've proved that they are that bad. Even on a short week, though, I mean, it's not going to be the easiest game in the world. So let's say you win that game, you go one and three. Then, Ryan, we don't really know who the New England Patriots are. We'll find out a little bit more about them tonight. If they get blown out by Seattle uh, in Seattle tonight, then we'll say they're a one-in-one team that beat the Miami Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins aren't a terrible team, but they're not a great team, I don't think, by, by any means right now. So then the Broncos could win two straight and then be two and three and then maybe start picking up some steam. But so what I'm saying is the most important game right now in the next couple of weeks for the Broncos is without a doubt the Jets. Yeah, and that's giving me flashbacks, Zach, because I remember you saying that uh, <laughs> a week, I want to say it was a week four game against the New York Jets <laughs> yeah. in the Trevor Simeon era. And that was the famous uh, Robbie versus Roby game. Robbie Anderson cooked Bradley Roby twice. Uh, the Jets beat the Broncos in MetLife Stadium uh, and, and, there it went. Um, so, you know, that, that has no bearing on this, but it's just what I thought of just now. Because I remember you saying, like, this is the game. You have to win it. Bradley Roby didn't show up for work the next day, right? That was yeah. that. was That yeah. That was yeah. the infamous <laughs> Roby day. Yeah. Uh, no call, no show. You can't, fired most places. Uh, you can't have that. You can't have that in, like, 10 days from now. No, you, you can't. But you do, you know – it's not crazy for the Broncos to win a game at home. Um, the Bucks looked pretty darn good today. Uh, but, again, they were playing the Panthers. Um, so they got crushed by the Saints, and they took care of business against the, against the Panthers. That doesn't look like a team that's impossible to beat. And it's funny, the, the, the game plan is going to be very similar, I think, or I guess the game plan that I had that, that the Broncos, I guess, didn't believe in. It's going to be in a gate the pass rush for the Buccaneers and to get a pass rush on Tom Brady um, because Tom Brady is very similar to Ben Roethlisberger in the fact that he's not moving around much. The Broncos did not get there nearly enough today uh, against Ben Roethlisberger to win that football game. Yeah. And here, here's some encouraging news in less than two weeks in like 11 days, the Broncos could be two and two on a two game win streak going into a long week to play the Patriots who we could be talking about in a couple hours are one and one and they just got beat down by Seattle. Uh, and uh, Tom Brady is four and seven in his career in Denver. Four and seven. It is not easy for Tom Brady to get a win in Denver. And that's what the Broncos get next week. I believe he, what, what is he uh, all time against the Broncos? Is it eight and nine or something along those lines? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Got to keep that winning record. Got to hold on to it. You'll always have their winning record at mile high. I don't think he's going to play enough years to uh, to stop that one. But 
he'd have to he'd have to join an AFC West team in order to beat that one or play till he's like oh like 65 or something. <laughs> Wouldn't put it past him. Wouldn't put it past him. Uh okay, a quick shout out to Breckenridge Brewery, the presenting sponsor of our post-game shows on the live portion. Uh if you're listening to this on the podcast portion, shout out to you too. And you could hear about Breck Brews as well. Everyone needs a Breck brew right now. Um, and maybe also a shot of uh, Breck distillery bourbon to go along <laughs> with it. And maybe you just like drop it in and chug it uh, and just get it in, get it into your system as fast as you possibly can. But especially a shout out to Breckeridge Brewery. Uh, I highly recommend you got to take half, half hop peak, half strawberry sky, mix them together, get yourself an RK special. You will not regret it. All right, looks like we perfect timing as we head into the next segment here. Have our guy, Andrew Mason. So let's bring on Mace uh, as we finally have him, and we're excited to hear what he has to say. Hi, guys. How do I sound with this uh, this mask on, which isn't quite straight? I apologize. You sound good. You kind of look like a duck. <laughs> you do look like a duck. <laughs> if it looks like a duck, it walks like a duck, it quacks like a duck. Quack, quack. <laughs> but the, the duck calling around here was last year when they had duck hodges in it's back to ben roethlisberger and back to business as usual unfortunately from the broncos perspective for the steelers yeah mace let's start here um and i actually you know what i actually want to get um both of your takes on two takes that i'm seeing run wild right now uh in broncos country uh one is vic fangio on the hot seat right now no 100% no. not on the hot seat. Yeah, no, not even close. <laughs> you know, uh, coaches oftentimes get the benefit of the doubt if there's an excuse in place for them. There's about a million excuses in place for Vic Fangio if he wanted to turn them. He's not going to say them, but internally they're thinking about those excuses. Okay, the second one. Is Drew Locke too injury prone to be the, the face of the franchise for the Broncos? Zach, you want to start us off there while I think about it? <laughs> no, I, I don't think so, because what I've seen so far, Ryan, uh, is in that I, I'm just going to look past that preseason game. And I, I mean, I'm only going to look at the regular season games. And now he did get injured in his seventh NFL start. How many quarterbacks are going to be able to, to stick up when they're getting hit as much as Drew did, when, when they're getting sacked as much as Drew did? Uh, and when, when there was all the pressure there, Jeff Driscoll, guys, he's not going to last. If this keeps happening to him, he's going to get hurt. The Broncos need to sign another guy so Royce Freeman doesn't have to go out there. No quarterback, unless you're built like Big Ben, and even Big Ben got hurt last year. No quarterback is going to to live up, um, and their body's going to make it through when you're getting hit as much as Drew was. Yeah, I'm I'm not ready to say he's injury prone. I mean, are are you concerned about the fact that he has now two? reasonably significant injuries in the last 13 months. I think you have to be, but I'm not the point of saying I'm concerned that he's injury prone. And obviously you want to see what the diagnosis is here. Probably not a good sign that he has his right arm in a sling as he did for his post-game press conference today. But uh, let's see what great it is. I mean, if this is something that's a, a one-week injury, you're going to feel a little bit better. I mean, I think the bigger concern, as he mentioned, of course, is that it's the uh, it's the throwing shoulder. It's a, it's the uh, it's the one that it might keep him out some time if there's a uh, if if there's any effect on that. And of course, of course, last year with the wrist, it was his non-throwing wrist, so it's not like he injured the same arm over again. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say slightly concerned, but I would also say this. I think if you improve the offensive line over time, you're not going to have to worry about this as much. 
Yeah, you know, for me, it's way too early to make a determination like that. Um, both of these, to me, look like freak injuries. Weirdly enough, they're both very similar of Drew Locke trying to make a play mm. while he's falling down sort of thing. So, uh, you know, I once saw John Elway just, uh, you know, angry that Trevor Simeon didn't know how to protect himself on the field. And maybe that's the case for Drew Locke, too. He needs to learn how to better protect himself on the field. But, you know, uh, he doesn't look like – he. It, this. This is it's not fair to call him injury prone with two kind of fluky injuries. Well, and and here here's how I want to look at it. He didn't have injuries in college. He did not have major injuries. He was very reliable in college. So that gets a benefit of the doubt for him. That's a plus for him. Uh and, and also um Drew, I don't remember what my also was. It was a good one though. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't drift the way say Trevor Simeon did and there was a commenter on Twitter who actually pointed out the Simeon drift because Jeff Driscoll had a little bit of that Simeon drift going on. That's not something that Drew Locke does. It's one reason why he's the starter and then Jeff Driscoll is the backup. Uh, if there is one thing that I am, I am concerned about is Drew Locke has shown good feel for the pass rush, but maybe that feel has got to improve a little bit and good feel for when contact is coming in because that hit that he absorbed, obviously I'm not putting it on him, but at the same time, you could kind of sense it. It was one of those things where you could sense it coming. And as I'm sitting here in the press box watching, I'm in my mind thinking, "Oh, Drew, Drew, you got to curl up. You got to, you got." And you know, he just got crushed. Okay, yeah. okay. I remember. I remember my also really quick before I forget. Sorry, Ryan. I'm going to chime in. It was. Well, what did we say about Jake Butt? You know, once he had that third one is when kind of everyone wrote him off. Now, credit to him. He's overcome that. But after the second one, you're like, man, that's not good luck. Same same with uh, uh, with Bradley Chubb. He just had a second one. And what we what we said was, man, if he has a third one, then it's it's you know, you're really going to be writing him off. But after two, he's OK. So, Drew, this was the second kind of major injury. Uh, it potentially looks like I guess we don't know yet if it is a major one. But I guess we'll wait to the, I'll wait till the third one to jump to any big conclusions like that. Yeah, um, it's a uh, it's fair it's fair to be concerned about it, but I don't I don't think it would be fair to call Drew Lock injury prone. And mm -hmm. I think the best point there was was college, uh, you know, not consistently out in college. Um, and here's the other thing, you know, Mace, you pounded this stat in when the Broncos signed Jeff Driscoll, and you didn't like it. But it was something along the lines of like 75% of quarter of uh, teams every year have to use their backup quarterback, mm -hmm. which means quarterbacks get hurt. Everyone yeah. gets hurt. This game, all it does is get people hurt. Yeah. And that goes over the last six years. I don't know if it's quite 75%, but it's, it's north of 50% of teams at any, in any year since 2014 have to try at some point in the season, have to turn to their backup and not for mop-up snaps. I'm talking about high leverage snaps at some point when the game is on the line. And we saw it here again. That's why you've got to make sure that uh, your rear end is covered. And we were hard on Jeff Driscoll. I think uh, the resume on him, obviously not great, but we also have to tip our caps at Jeff Driscoll today because he kept them in the game and he did a good job spreading the ball around. I mean, frankly, guys, I, even in the loss with Driscoll spreading it around and not having Phil and not having Cortland and still getting Judy, getting Hamler, getting Fant, getting Melvin Gordon involved. I mean, you don't have to squint to see some great possibilities from this offense once it gets even almost all of the pieces out there. Completely yeah. agree. As long as you also include 
an offensive line in that formula. Yeah, and that's uh, that's something unfortunately that I don't think it's getting fixed this year at least at least at the at the tackle spots and uh it's you know you you can look I hate to start playing the draft game because there's a long way to go but you've got to if you don't sign a big time free agent at tackle in free agents in the free agent period you've got to use that first round pick on a tackle because uh, what we're seeing out there you'll get Jawan James back what you're seeing out there on both sides, it's not good enough. Garrett Bowles, unfortunately for him, had a holding penalty. So, you know, you, you just feel like you're hanging on. And there were so many times where you'd see, you know, both 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 sides getting beat, and sometimes it'd be sometimes it'd be T.J. Watt beating Elijah Wilkinson. That set up uh, Bud Dupree from the other side, or vice versa. It's just, it's not good enough at the tackle spots right now. No, it's not. And Garrett Bowles is getting uh, helped with Elijah Wilkinson looking so bad because you're right. He did have a holding. He also uh, was allowing pressure, just not nearly as much as Elijah Wilkinson. And fortunately, unfortunately you're getting Juwan James back next year. He is going to be on the books. So can you go out and spend high, high money on a a left tackle to complement your already super high paid right tackle, especially when the cap may not be big next year. It looks like uh, it, it looks like you better hope that Je- that Drew Locke is the guy, so that you can use that first round pick on a tackle. Yeah, you know, it's funny because you think you would learn, you would think that that John Elway would learn this lesson now, which is that very much like quarterbacks, worthy left tackles don't just hit the market, uh, and you're the same way that worthy right tackles probably don't just hit the market. Mm-hmm. You know, Jawan James is a free agent for a reason. It's because the Miami Dolphins didn't believe in him. Uh, and now the Broncos have paid him God knows how much money uh, for nothing. And they're going to have to pay him again next year as he's just all he is is one year older. So you're going to have to hit this on the draft here. And this is the other main take that I'm seeing going around Broncos country right now. And I want to hear your guys thoughts on this one. Did John Elway put the cart before the horse? by trying to get all these offensive weapons before getting himself an offensive line. Mm, you get the weapons when they're there. You And I mean, if they take it, let's just go back to the draft. If they take a tackle at 15, well, remember the tackle group had the, the tackle tree had been plucked pretty clean by that point. Yep. So you had a chance to, uh, you could either, you could reach for a tackle or you could get somebody who, could have easily been a top five or a top 10 pick in a lot of years at wide receiver in Jerry Judy. You can't, the Broncos, they're not in the position where they can cross off all the items on the shopping list in, in any given year. Now they're getting closer. The overall roster is getting better, but I think to take a tackle there at 15, it would have, or to move, to move up. You didn't want to move up because you still want to hold on to your picks, but taking a tackle there at 15, the way the board fell would have been, would have been a reach. So I, I would have disagreed with that. I mean, I think if you can point to one thing in the past, we've talked about it. every Bronco fans know, knows it. Yeah, they should have taken Ryan Ramchek instead of Garrett Bowles, even though Ramchek's a right tackle. They should have done that. But you can't do anything about that now. You just have to go forward. That's, you know, and go forward with what you got. Yeah. And, and I agree with you, Mace, about not being wrong at 15. 
Could the Broncos have traded one of their third round picks to move up to 10 to grab uh, one of the tackles? Yeah. And that's a conversation that, that maybe we do have if Elijah Wilkinson and Garrett Bowles continue to struggle. But what is just becoming more and more clear is Broncos had three third round picks should have used at least one of those on a tackle, maybe use two of those to move up. And I know that that means you're not getting Oja Mudia or Cushenberry uh, or, or regime, but look, all you needed was, was one right now in Cushenberry. Uh, Oja Mudia had a rough day today. And then you get Ezra Cleveland in the second or something like that. I was hard on the Broncos after the draft for not even throwing us a bone with the tackle anywhere in the draft. And obviously that just the way it's played out so far is just fueling that fire more. Well, we're seeing, yeah, we're, we're seeing a comment on, on, on Periscope yep. about Ezra Cleveland in round two. And yeah, that's a possibility. And maybe that's the, what you question is taking KJ Hamler instead of Ezra Cleveland. But part of the reason why you're excited and, we're, and why you were able to come back today was, Oh, by the way, KJ Hamler had a hell of a game today. Yeah. Yeah, he, he did. And we knew that the tackles were going to be an issue. We knew that. And you didn't really help them out this game, especially Elijah Wilkinson. When he was showing that he was struggling, you continued to let him struggle on an island out there. Yeah, I, I, you know what? We talked about it during a few of the podcasts that we had during training camp about, okay, are you going to see DeMar Dotson at some point? And I know I thought, okay, it might get bad enough against TJ Watt to where you see him in Pittsburgh. And I kept looking over at the far sideline from my perch in the press box to see if Dotson was getting warmed up, if they were getting him ready. But they decided to to ride or die with Elijah Wilkinson, and unfortunately it was more of the latter than the former. Uh, Dotson could have helped out today. I'm convinced of that. Real quick on Ezra Cleveland, uh, the Vikings have converted him to guard. So (laughs) they obviously don't think that he's an answer at tackle. He was inactive the first week for them, uh, Mm -hmm. active – this week but on the flip side though ryan what's their tackle situation looking like because my guess is no tackle has played worse in the nfl than elijah wilkinson over the first two weeks that's totally fair but what i'm saying is you know i don't know if ezra cleveland would have been the answer to all of your problems uh certainly not and then the other one that was mentioned oh i forgot who who was it um did anyone mention tega didn't prince tega get cut yeah, Prince Tega got cut. I think the one, and when we were when we were doing the draft night show, I know his name came up. It was late in the third round when the Broncos took McTelvin Ajim, and Ajim looks like someone who's going to be good for the long term, but he's been inactive for the last for the first two weeks of the season. And you have uh, Matt Peart for the Giants, who uh, was impressing and uh, has already seen some playing time uh, at at left tackle. So, yeah, totally. I mean. That one, it, there's always a conversation to be had. Uh, but when it comes down to Judy or a tackle, Judy was the easy, 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 easy answer mm-hmm. at 15 to me. It's not even close. Uh, to me, a guy who is, is the best wide receiver in a historic wide receiver class, you lucked out that he was there at all. That being said, um, what about number the 10th pick last year? Were there, uh, were there tackles available then? I can't um, remember, honestly. I'm I'm cheating, so I'm looking back at the uh, at the 2019 draft. And by the way, when I refer to Peart getting first team reps, I was referring to uh, practice, not necessarily the games. But he's already made an impression. Okay, offensive tackles in the 2019 draft. Jonah Williams was pick 11, and of course, he got injured right away for the Bengals. Did not play at all in 2019. 
And then you had uh, Andre Dillard from Washington State uh, going to the Philadelphia Eagles with this 22nd pick. So let's say the Broncos still make that trade down. Uh, the cons- and there, there were some concerns about Dillard in year one as well. And then Titus Howard out of Alabama State went to Houston with pick 23. I mean, th- those guys, I mean, they were not finished procs. And, oh, by the way, if you take either of them, you don't have Noah Fant. And Noah Fant's been one of the best players for the Broncos in the, in the first two weeks of the season. And he's put up a stat line that no tight end – has put up in his first 18 games in the league in the last 24 years. So I, I don't I don't want to envision this team without Noah Fan. Well, and then so what people would probably say is go back when you had the number five overall pick. And a lot of people would point to Quentin Nelson, but obviously guard is not the biggest concern with this offensive line. And people will look at the way Bradley Chubb has played. He was fantastic as a rookie. Didn't mm-hmm. do anything last year so far, not looking like he's doing anything this year. And to me, yeah, there's a lot of things that you would change about that. You would sign Shaq Barrett. And to me, that's just getting that's just getting way too in, into the weeds. But yes, it <laughs> looks like you probably could have got a better tackle there than you could have with Bradley Chubb. Yeah. And that's and the Quentin Nelson discussion is always going to come up, even though you say, okay, do you pick a guard that high? Well, if he's all world, maybe, maybe you do. But uh yeah, it's 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 frustrating. It's frustrating to watch this because you feel like uh, you just can't trust the guys on the edges right now. And and the, they were able to get by in week one, but you see what happens when you face uh, a couple of quality edges in Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt in week two, and then you start looking down the line at even what you face next week with Tampa Bay and Shaq Barrett coming back in. And but you get to you get to the Chiefs, you get to the Chargers. I mean, it's it looks like there's more frustration coming at tackle. And that's the one thing that could sink this whole offense because there's so much promise, so many areas on that side of the ball, other than the tackles. And to the commenter, Connor, uh, we completely agree with you. The Broncos have to address tackle, but you can't just do things just to do things or else you end up with Mm -hmm. Menelik Watson, Donald Stevenson and Juwan (laughs) James. I mean, is, is it sad to kind of look back at the last few years and say that the best right tackle this team had was, Jared Valdir playing out the string of his career. It's right, true. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and t- the best t- left tackle they had was Russell Okung, and he had a holding problem himself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, now, Mace, to counter something you said about KJ Hamler being, uh, being a key part in bringing the Broncos back and helping, I agree with that. What if instead you had a tackle in the second round that was capable? Then maybe you're not in a hole. Maybe Drew Locke's not hurt. So I, that, I think that's just the counterpoint to what mm-hmm. some people are saying about the tackle. And, yeah, we don't know. What we don't know, all I'm comfortable in saying is Broncos were right. You take BPA, especially at a position of need, in the first round with that. Uh, Mace, I, I'm dying to know. So you did talk to Drew Locke after after the game. He did uh-huh. talk. He did and, talk. And anything notable there? Obviously, they don't know. He doesn't know exactly what's going on with the injury. But what did we find out there? Yeah, it's something that he's going to have a further evaluation tomorrow. Uh, arm arm was in a sling. I mean, he. I wouldn't say he was either optimistic or pessimistic. Just uh, uh, he was he was understandably frustrated, understandably understandably sullen about it. Acknowledged when Troy Rank asked him about it being the the right hand that yeah, there's going to probably be a little bit more uh, a caution and a, a bit more examination taken before they figure out uh, what the course of action is going to be. Um, and uh, I actually asked him about Jeff Driscoll because, hey, he's been in the same 
room with Jeff Driscoll, and he was very complimentary of Driscoll. And basically talked about him being that guy who's very consistent and on an even keel, which is, I mean, it's what you want to see from a backup, but uh, it's probably part of the reason why he was able to come out there and not be too flustered stepping in for, stepping in for Locke and playing, I mean, reasonably well, as well as you can expect a backup to play. Well, here we go right now. The news coming in on Drew Locke from Adam yeah. Schefter. He says he sprained his AC and is expected to be sidelined two to six weeks, according mm-hmm. to Schefter and Jeff Legwald. He'll undergo an MRI to ex- to determine yeah. the extent of the damage tomorrow. So mm-hmm. there you go. There you go. Two to six weeks. That means the Broncos won't have Drew Locke potentially until midway through the season. And if, if this is right, then they won't have him at least until week five against the New York Jets. So it's Jeff Driscoll, or unless the Broncos make an emergency signing, uh, it's Jeff Driscoll the next two weeks. And you have uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are coming off a win today who have a good pass rush next week at home. And then you turn around on a short week to play the New York Jets. Okay, I got flame for saying this name on Twitter. But don't oh, you at geez. least give Colin Kaepernick a call. Come on, Mace. You know who yeah, we're that about here. <laughs> that that won't happen. But how about I this? Know. Maybe some flame for saying this. Trevor Simeon, bring him back. Oh, nope. I'd I'd rather have if given the choice of those two, Zach. Even though he's not a traditional prototypical quarterback, I'd rather have the guy that can discombobulate you a little bit if he had to come in and just kind of wing it. Yeah, and that's I mean, Driscoll. it's not even <laughs> it's Sorry. not even worth uh, mentioning to be honest. Just knowing John, I know, I know. Oh yeah, I did, yeah, that won't happen. Uh, I put it, I put that out for there for two reasons. Number one, I knew you wanted the smoke. I exactly. <laughs> the other reason is my wife asked me why on Friday, why won't anybody sign Kaepernick? Wow, she was late to that party. <laughs> yeah, well, she said she was in she was in a, a surgical procedure, and the surgeon that she was working with brought it up, and so it got her thinking. <laughs> Just the type of surgery conversation I imagine happens. Oh man! <laughs> well, least- and and guys, if they sign Kaepernick, which won't happen, and I can't believe we're spending time on that during this pod, but. They would no, get an 81 overall rating in Madden. Oh, yeah. that's like 20 <laughs> points above Drew Locke. Yeah. <laughs> Probably uh, 20 points above Jeff Driscoll. But yeah, do uh, yeah. 30 do, points above Jeff Driscoll. Yeah. But realistically, do not expect that. I admit I'm just kind of putting it out there for fun. But uh, yeah, it's not yeah. it's not fun for me. Um I yeah, it's gonna be Jeff Driscoll and Brett Rippin, right? Yeah, there you go. Two to, let's go back to the point here though. Two to six weeks. You can survive two. You can maybe survive three. Can you survive four, five, six? I don't think okay. you can survive more than two uh, with with that opponent because, well, again, we'll find out how good the, the Patriots are tonight. But even if they're the one-and-one Patriots after tonight and they don't look good against Seattle, Bill Belichick will be able to take advantage of a Jeff Driscoll type of quarterback. So I don't think you can be without him for three weeks. And mm, that Jets game is a must win with the quarterback that I can't say is, is capable of beating any team when a team has the ability to game plan for him. Okay. Let's just say it's four weeks. The Jets game and the Dolphins game are the ones that you have to find ways to win. 
Because you say your backup quarterback, okay, can you go 500 with him? Well, the Jets and Dolphins on paper would offer the opportunity for the Broncos to go 500 without Drew Locke if he's out for four games. Out for out for six weeks, well, that's where you also include the, that includes the Chiefs game next month, and then uh, you're really talking about being behind the eight ball. But if you but what this does now is basically, unless Jeff Driscoll is a is a wunderkind out there, it means that if this team is to be a playoff team, it's probably going to have to get hotter than a pepper sprout in the in the words of uh, Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash in the second half of the season. Yep, yep. You can probably go three weeks and hope you steal two. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's. I mean. I guess the two-week uh, option is on there. So if you go two weeks, you know you just got to get one. Uh, but man. I mean, guys, what what were you thinking before this injury that the Broncos were going to do in in the next three games? Let's say the Broncos did lose today and Drew Locke was healthy at the end of the game, but the the rest of the game was the same. You know, Drew Locke throws for the two hundred and fifty yards, two touchdowns, yeah. one pick. What did, what would you guys have thought the Broncos were going to go in the next three games? Three out of four, the next three games, or three. Or I think they, I think they would have won two out of three. So they would have beat the Jets and the, the Patriots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what is that? Now, is it still two and one? Mm, that's it's that Patriot game that has me really that has me skeptical at this point. I think we saw enough in terms of of weaponry and Jeff Driscoll's ability to spread the ball around. To where I feel like even with Jeff Driscoll, they can still go to New York and beat the Jets because the Jets look like a horrible team, and I don't think the Jets can cover every one of those of those targets if the ball is being spread around well. And you're hoping you can do that against New England, but like you guys said, against Bill Belichick, Belichick feasts off of being able to unravel the threads that keep a backup quarterback together. Yeah, and to me, I could have seen the Broncos going 2-1 and one in the next three games with Drew Locke. How in the world am I going to sit here and say that the Broncos are still going to go 2-1 and one with Jeff Driscoll? I mean, then the why have Drew Locke? Then that means Drew Locke isn't that good, or you have one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league and you got him on a bargain. Uh, the NFL would tell you that's not the case, so it's hard for me to sit here and say the Broncos are still going to go 2-1 and one with a – Big drop off, so you're probably sitting at one and two over these next two games or three. Just, yeah, just I feel like ever Chase, Chase Daniel. Sorry, <laughs> just, just to point this out, um, the fifth, if it was five weeks, the fifth game, the fifth week would be the Chiefs, and the sixth week would be a bye week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, so you know, it might be one of those things where if he he might be ready to go right before that Chiefs game, but are you really gonna you know put him out there uh, mm-hmm. against a team that? has the guys to tee off on a pass rush when they get a lead. If he's only 90%, I don't know if that's going to happen. And you talk yourself into the, oh, we can buy um, two extra weeks here if we don't play him this week. I think it all depends on what your record is and, and how many games you manage to win without him. I could see a scenario where if the Broncos go two and two, I mean, you're not happy being two and four, but you – aren't out of it and you aren't out of it if you lose that game to the Chiefs and then maybe you say okay let's get by for one more week and then we'll be ready to roll 
with Drew and company for the Falcon game after the bye. But if you sit there, if you've lost three of the next four, you're probably forcing Drew Locke back in there. And and that's a frightening scenario. Oh, I think it's the opposite. I think if you lose three of the next four, you just punt and say we're not playing him until he's 100% healthy. So and then you're, you say you're, you're punting the season then. Well, you're punting, you're punting playoffs, right? And and then you're saying, okay, we really need after the bye to find out if Drew Locke's the guy, to see if Bradley Chubb were picking up his fifth-year option, to see if this defense is still going to be good enough to be elite next year. And you're, the, the rest of the season, then, is truly about finding out what you have, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you, that's why you have to keep winning. Uh, you have to not keep winning because they haven't done it yet. You have to find a way to get wins out here in these next few weeks to stay alive, to give the guys a reason for hope, to give, you know, the, oh, once Drew comes back, we're going to be, we're going to be so good. You have to find a couple here. Uh, and yeah, does it seem daunting going up against the Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next week? Yes, but you are going to be at home and it'll be their first time playing in front of fans. So you never know if that's going to be just enough. You make a play here and there. You have a chance to win that game. It's a home game. You give the Broncos a chance in a home game. For what it's worth, just quickly, we're talking about the Chiefs and the big bad Chiefs. Currently, 14-6, to losing to the Chargers uh, as we're going into the half year. And you want to know why? Because the Chargers are teeing off on Patrick Mahomes like the like the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers were on the Broncos today. It's actually pretty wild, the, the amount of pressure they're getting. So it's not What's crazy though. Justin no Herbert sacks. Shocking everybody. <laughs> well, Justin Herbert is playing pretty darn well. I got to give yeah. him that because I'm I, not a Justin Herbert believer, but he looks pretty darn good right now. I, I can't believe they kept that one under wraps all week. Yeah, that pretty is good. incredibly, mm-hmm. incredibly impressive. So guys, should we be talking? You, you said the big bad chiefs. Should we talk about the big bad chargers? Um, uh, I'll talk about the bad chargers, not the big bad chargers. <laughs> uh, the Chiefs don't have any business losing this game, but I have a feeling Andy Reid will have some counter punches ready mm-hmm. in the second half uh, to probably get them back into this. But impressive stuff from the Chargers' defense so far. They're just pinning their ears back and getting in there. One thing for the next four weeks, though, guys. I mean, obviously, everyone's going to prepare for Jeff Driscoll, but do you not take anything positive from the fact that Driscoll led this team back? And yeah. gave them a chance to win at the end. I mean, I'm, I, I mean, I know what Driscoll has been over the last few years. I mean, we know that the record of teams with him starting is terrible. I believe it's one in six over the years. But we also saw an offense that looked pretty spry once he once he got comfortable and uh, once everyone adjusted. And you can hopefully have Cortland Sutton back in at some point in the next few weeks, and uh, you have Philip Lindsay back in a couple of weeks. I think. I don't think it's all, it's it's all bad. I don't think it's time to put up the white flag. So, Mace, would you would you say Jeff Driscoll had a magnificent game today? <laughs> no, <laughs> I actually would. I would. I would say he had a magnificent game because, like I said, he would have finished on the road against the number one defense with the over one hundred passer rating, two mm-hmm. touchdowns, no picks, over two hundred fifty yards. If Cortland Sutton holds on to that ball, I'm not crediting any of that interception on Jeff Driscoll and to do that, to come back with all the pressure he had, I'm saying magnificent game, Jeff Driscoll. All right. All right. Uh, you love that word and you love that term. Okay. Well, t- 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 tell me, tell me why it wasn't good. Tell me why it wasn't magnificent. Oh, I was, I was incredibly it, impressed. I'm not saying it wasn't good. I have a very high standard for magnificent. Magnificent is what Aaron Rodgers did last week to the Vikings. I'll call it impressive. Uh, I was very impressed <laughs> by Jeff Driscoll. 
He's got to stop missing throws high, though. He will get someone killed out there if he, if he misses those throws high. And to be fair, the one place you couldn't miss a throw with Cortland Sutton today was high because obviously he's having shoulder issues. Um, so Cortland should have caught the ball. It hit him in the face. But uh, you, you need to bring it down a little bit. That's, that's where I will not give him the magnificent. He missed a ton of throws high. Then he shouldn't. Cortland shouldn't be playing, honestly, if he can't catch balls that, like a little bit mm-hmm. high. No, and, and I agree with that. Uh, and uh, maybe right now the Broncos take a step back and say, "Okay, what are we doing with with these guys? What are we trying to force here?" It seems like you know the Broncos may be starting to get very healthy around midseason, may, maybe mm-hmm. in week six or week seven. So maybe that helps them realize let's get fully healthy by then and not force guys that are really 50-50 like Cortland was today. We'll, we'll see. Or the Broncos could go in the opposite direction and say, we have to win every single game that we can, so we are going to force these guys. It's going to be interesting to see. Personally, I'm making sure this team is as healthy as can be uh, as soon as possible, but once they're an entire team. Well, one thing, you don't have to force it at wide receiver. I don't think you should have to force it because we saw some promise from Judy. We saw some promise from KJ Handler. And Noah Fant looks like he can carry even more of the load than he's been carrying. I mean, it's it's baffling that for the last two quarters of the game last Monday and the first two quarters today, they pretty much ignored him. The offense seems to function a lot better and more consistently when they're finding ways to feed Fant when he is a primary read more often than not. So in the absence of Cortland Sutton, if he does miss some time, get Noah Fant the ball more. Treat him like a wide receiver one in terms of the number of times you're targeting him and get him more involved. That can be part of, that can also help both open things up for Jerry Judy, make things a little easier on him. Use the talent that you have. I mean, you and heck, Maybe if you're gonna, maybe you go short at wide receiver and larger at tight end, and maybe you're activating Albert O and getting him out there for some stretches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's some options. I do think they need to take their time with Cortland Sutton though as mm-hmm. well. Uh, he was a little bit rushed out there today, and I get it. You needed to win a football game today. Uh, unfortunately, you know you didn't have a good game plan uh, from the start. I thought, but I think. We've touched on a lot here. Do you have any uh, final things that we need to touch on, Mace, from from the press conferences? Uh, not really. No. I mean, I think uh, you know, there's their guys are kind of trying to pick up Michael Ojemudia after he uh, was beaten. I think we'll get more into that over the course of of course the week. Michael Ojemudia basically to me had a rookie day. Um, I would like to have seen a little more safety help though coming over on that long touchdown pass that that he allowed, but. I think Ojemudi is going to get better, better from that. Certainly, uh, some fire from from Dalton Reisner, but uh, not surprised at that. That's just who he is and what he's going to bring. And then, you know, just he's got to get healthy. I mean, this, and you've got to find ways to close things out. This week, it wasn't the defense letting down late, but it was the offense not getting it done when he, it had a chance to. So, the Broncos numbing failures in close games move on. Although that being said, guys. And even though I know you can't recreate how the game flows, but Sam Martin dropping that punt snap, dude. Yeah, uh, man. You can't. I mean, it's funny. I, I fir- I, at first I saw it. I'm like, what well, was a little bit off? It was a perfect snap from Bobin Moyer. Well, yeah, hit both right in the hands. hands. Yep. Right in the chest. Yeah. I mean, not high, not low, not nothing. Jacob talks about the strike zone for the snaps being like a strike zone in baseball. 
I mean, you hit that thing square in the middle. He couldn't snap it any better. Me Jacob, you're talking about <laughs> Jacob like he's his son. I like the guy. <laughs> he hustles. I mean, he gets his he gets his butt downfield quickly, and he's a good yeah. dude. So he had, a, he had a good day, too. Yeah, Not did. his fault. Not his fault. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on the flip side, without the safety, there might not be the fumble and this, that, and the other thing. But I, the point is <laughs> that can never happen. I mean, never. Perfect snap. You, there's just no way that can happen uh, from a from a professional punter, right? So, is what it is. I guess re- really quick before really quick before we're out of here, should Brandon McManus have hit that 58 yard field goal, and was it a good decision? Yeah, uh, yes, he should have. No, it wasn't. So he shouldn't have even kicked it in the first place. Nope. Yeah, I, I don't. Mean, dis- I don't disagree with that. RK. The facts show us that. Brandon McManus doesn't make those. So then, I mean, there's just, I mean, I guess we'll get into it this week. There's just so much going around with this because Brandon wants to be kicking the longest field goals. Yet when Vic sends him out there, well, he shouldn't be sending him out there. Uh, So Vic just needs to say really nothing deep, nothing over 52. I mean, what what do you put the line at? Uh, 55. 55. All right. So then Brandon can't be upset because he's, uh, he's money. Within 50. He, he's not going to have a Steven Goskowski game, but over 50. Uh, last week, Brandon said he wants to be 80% from over 50, and now on this season, he's over 1 over 50, right? Yeah. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I mean, it was 58 long. Like, you don't, ex- you shouldn't expect to make that. So that's why I put it on the coach. Um, I think 56 and in, you expect to make uh, in the NFL. Now, I'm sure the numbers would say it's not that high. But you say, like, we pay our kicker a lot of money. He should make that. 57, 58, 59, 60. You're, it's a prayer. You're, you know, you're, you're throwing a, you're, it's a half-court shot. And yeah. the history is not in your favor at Heinz Field, although most of the failures for kickers at Heinz Field have come on days that were nasty in November and December. Today, relatively benign conditions. I mean, there were a lot of people out on their boats on the river, on the rivers around here when I uh, went to go for a little bit of stroll at halftime. So, you can't blame the conditions. You can't blame the con- the, the state of the field. Should have hit that one. It was just a miss, and yeah. one that I personally just don't think he should have been given the green light on. But that is a conversation for another day. We'll have plenty <laughs> to talk about throughout this week. I think for today, that's going to wrap it up for us on this live post-game show presented by Breckenridge Brewery. Thanks for all the interaction and the comments. We really appreciate you guys all chiming in. Thanks to everyone who watched it. If you watch on YouTube, throw us a like. Maybe hit that subscribe button. Hit the little bell next to the subscribe so you know when we're going live or posting any videos from the DNVR account. Uh, But for now, we appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you soon.